We are two badass spiritual gangster real estate entrepreneurs manifesting our best authentic lives and spreading the good word. You're listening to Manifesting with Morgan and Madeline. Hello. Hello. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Did you watch TGIF when you were a kid? I have no idea what that ah! is, but I ate there. <laughs> like Steve Urkel, Family Matters, Step by Step. Oh my God, somebody out there knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> it was like my Friday night thing. Come home, eat ice cream, watch TGIF. Aww. I know. I don't think I ever had a thing. <laughs> it was my thing. Oh, well, we 90s babies, we had a lot of good things that the we people did. these days don't get to yeah. enjoy. <laughs> I feel like people now are probably back up on Steve Urkel. Yeah, it's like family new, matters. It's the hip thing because it's old and vintage. I and mean, Adelina watches it. Oh, and she like pulls her pants up. And she's like, did I do that? Like, she <laughs> so how are you? Dandy, how are you? I'm good. I love Fridays. Yes. Even though they don't really matter, it's like a mentality. Oh, yeah. Like, Friday's no different than any other day, honestly. But here we are. Um, our, our our friend Steve is making a cameo. Hey, Steve. Like like usual. We have a, a guest dog in, in today. <laughs> Madeline has brought her dog as well. So we have three fluffy, cute little dogs partying as we're recording. Very yeah, professional. They're having, good, they're having a good time. But, you know, it is what it is, and we're at home with our babies having fun. (laughs) There are are little furry peeps. Well, are you ready to start talking about codependency and the beauty of boundaries? I am. This is is a topic that I feel like we both are strong in, and we both have worked on Mm -hmm. and both comprehend and are both excited about. Yeah. This is one I've been looking forward to this whole process uh yeah but we're about to bring it all together and we're going (laughs) to help you guys with your healing and your manifesting yeah because codependency like learning how to deal with this part of life that we all have i mean very few people that you meet are not codependent at some point or another so i think this can apply to everyone oh for sure and this is going to help clear out a lot of stuff that's going to just in turn gosh it Every single week and every step is so important, but this one I feel like is really important. Oh yeah, so much freedom once you really important. Yeah, learn learn how to play the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because if you don't set this foundational step, it's going to be really hard for you to ask for what you want if you're still too concerned about what everybody else wants. One hundred percent. So we'll start with boundaries. Okay. Um, and basically, boundaries are just. Being able to say no to things that you don't want. Mm-hmm. And in the show notes, I put a long time ago when I was writing this out, no is the most powerful word in your vocabulary. Right. No is very, very, very powerful. And get very comfortable saying it. No. Practice. Let's practice. No. Yas queen. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I wish the dogs would listen to you right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So to me... Can we define codependency? I was start, I was going to start with boundaries because I feel okay. like that kind of leads to codependency. Okay. Let's go for it. So just like boundaries 
is is the predecessor to codependency. You have mm-hmm. to kind of understand boundaries because codependency is where you don't have them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand boundaries too when it comes to manifesting because a big part of manifesting is tied to your self-worth and your vibrational frequency. And in order to keep that frequency, you have to be able to set boundaries for things that don't match where you're aspiring, what you're aspiring to manifest. Right. And yeah, so that's, that's, that's that really, uh, to me, your boundaries are your ability to set boundaries are based upon your Mm self-worth, but your self-worth is also dependent on your ability to self set boundaries. So Mm -hmm. it's a chicken or the egg situation and Mm -hmm. you got to start somewhere. So really just learning the power of no and, giving yourself permission to say no. Mm-hmm. And now we can talk about codependency, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, I don't, I don't know if, if everyone really knows or has a clear view of what codependency is and what it means because, um, I had a really hard time with understanding my codependent behavior. Oh Yeah. And I didn't know really that I was codependent until I realized, oh my gosh, I'm so freaking codependent. Well, it looks so, there's so many different it manifestations of codependency. Mm-hmm. And I learned it back in childhood when I was in Alateen. Uh, oh yeah, um, Al-Anon. Al- Al-Anon was for adults. Mm-hmm. Alateen was for kids, for kids. who were yep. children of, or and loved ones of addicts or alcoholics and codependency. The first time I ever heard that word, I mean, it's heavy in the recovery community. It's big in the recovery community. For me, I totally grasped what it was in that realm. Codependency. There's the addict, the alcoholic, and then there's the person cleaning up the mess and unhealthily tied to that person. And so I got it. And that paints a pretty specific picture that's easy to identify. Yes. Yeah. But that, and that, maybe that's where the rhetoric even started. I don't know. Maybe. But now, you know, codependency does not only apply in relationships like romantic or familial, but it's also in work. It's in any human interaction. Hence us adding, doing this episode after talking about relationships as mirrors. Yes. I mean, codependency can show up and shows up anywhere. And I think that's really important to. I think it's really important that we understand what it is so that you know how to recognize it when it's showing up. Exactly. So what what is codependency? How does it show up? What does it feel like? What does it look like? What what do what is your opinion? What's your personal opinion of what you feel codependency is and then we'll read through kind of some bullet points of what codependency is. To me, codependency is just all about where you get your validation. Mm-hmm. And it the foundation of codependency is that you're looking outside of yourself for for validation. Mm-hmm. So you start to attach to other people to right. get your worth right. instead of finding it in yourself. But then we're okay, so that's base level, but then the symptoms of codependency are just the behaviors that you do as a byproduct of attaching your worth to the reactions of others. Right. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Yes. I mean, any time that you feel like what you're doing is a direct 
is going to result is going to impact someone else's life directly or vice versa, or what someone else is doing is going to impact your life directly. Usually that's kind of an indicator of codependency. And yeah. And it's not like I'm, I'm considerate of others and I take, I think about what I'm going to do and how it's going to affect others. There's a healthy way to do that. Correct. But then there's also a very unhealthy way. And, and it's just, it's so weird because I feel like in our culture and society, we're modeled codependency a lot. Like Mm I, once I started learning about it, I watched like friends or sex in the city or Mm -hmm, any of these shows mm -hmm. again. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like every single, these friend groups are all just super codependent codependent, and meshed. (laughs) And like, you know, there's no boundaries. There's no separation. Right. And, and it's kind of fun now knowing about codependency Mm -hmm. and also giving myself grace for having these behaviors because Holy shit. Like we were told to our, my, our parents, like the model of like families in a lot of ways was a very codependent model it's true and to be fair there's a part of codependency that feels good oh yeah so we naturally as humans crave connection yes and so when we think that we have this close you have to like the close the intimacy the connection that fitting you have, into the tribe like that's into the survival right. you know we want right. to be in the tribe right. and there's a healthy way to fit in the tribe right. where you're protecting your own needs and mm-hmm. also consider of others. Right. And then there's an unhealthy way where you're manipulating the situation so that you can fit in. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. So the inability to set personal boundaries for yourself is a huge indicator of codependency. The, the shunning of you, it, like if if some if another human, if a person in a relationship with you is going to shun you because you have healthy boundaries that need to be in place, then that's codependent red flag on their part. Oh yeah. Um, so there's a lot of ways to identify it, and um, basically, kind of what you said here is how it looks is it's rooted in wanting to change others and a need for control. Yes. Yes. And see. I am this this is new information to me relatively new in my self-development journey but I always had a, I always tend to gravitate towards more feeler introverted more feminine energy whether they're male or female because I'm I'm more masculine <laughs> and you know decisive and stern and all this so I right. like having those people in my life to balance me but I didn't realize like I like the people who seem sweet and accommodating and stuff, if it's not from like a love spot, if mm-hmm. it's from a a codependent spot, they're manipulative as fuck and they're lying. Like yeah. when they're being sweet, it's a lie. Yes. And I didn't, I just realized it's that. It's just to get what they want. Exactly. Yeah. It's insincere. Yeah. And it's, it's, I feel like I've been, what's the word when somebody pulls one over on you? Like, I don't know. Who, who hoogled, haggled, hoodied, yeah. voodooed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of those things. Uh, like who dude, <laughs> because I, I was like kind of gaslit by these people who thought, I, yeah, yeah. It'll yeah. come to me in the shower. One Hagled day. finagled. Is it finagled? That's not quite right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I hope somebody is listening to this and they're like, Morgan, the word is whatever it is. Um, but yeah, hoodwinked. hoodwinked. There you go. Yeah. Like I felt like I, I was kind of made to be 
wrong a lot of times by these people who are doing these manipulative codependent things and I'm not I'm not buying into their bullshit and then I'd get gaslit for not subscribing to these sweet people who are just doing nice things for you because they love you and it's like Mm -hmm. I can sense that when it's insincere Mm -hmm. and I run yeah good but I used to I used to think I was a bad guy for doing that well that's a big like narcissism 101 right there like usually codependents and narcissists people who fall on the spectrum of narcissism and people who fall on the spectrum of codependency usually are very attracted to one another amen sister because they need each other to kind of keep up their Facade. Facades. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that sounds like, yeah, you're you usually, and, and you can be a narcissist and codependent and you can be codependent and a narcissist. Yes. So just so we're clear. You can be but, empathetic and a narcissist. Yeah, you People can. say that it's, it's one or the other, but yeah. you can be an empath and a narcissist. It's true. It's true. And I think where it comes up is with the codependent behaviors. Mm-hmm. What, what's a good example for you of a codependent behavior? For me... It's, it's like you get invited to do something and you're scared if you say no, even if you really don't want to, you just go anyway because you're afraid that the tribe will reject you. Right. That's a big one for me. Or that if you don't show up, they won't invite you again. Yeah. It's like, oh, what are they going to think of me if I don't do this? And that's a big mm-hmm. symptom of codependency is doing things that you don't want to do necessarily mm-hmm. for fear of what someone else, how someone else is going to respond. Right. That's a huge red flag. Another red flag, um, attaching to others' values and beliefs. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's like changing yourself because you want to fit in. Exactly. So I believe this particular thing, but when I'm in this group of people, and this is the thing, we're all human and we all have a million things that are inside of us. So it doesn't mean that you're not able to see someone's point of view. What it means is if you change or you feel like the need to change your whole system of or your rhetoric with people because because if you don't, they won't accept you. Yes. Basically, a lot of this just boils down to feeling rejected. Or avoiding feeling. Avoiding feeling rejected. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, I didn't... I just recently learned that codependent behavior can appear in the workplace. Oh, my God. So much. And a big part of it for me, uh, Terry Cole has a book, uh, Boundary Boss, I think is what it's called. Mm -hmm. If you search Terry Cole, it's her first book, so you'll find it. But this one was really focused on over overperforming codependence. So uh-huh. people I'm I'm my codependency doesn't come across as much anymore or didn't in relationships because I started to work through that and set boundaries and stuff, you know, a couple years ago. Right. I really learned about the beauty of boundaries and and identifying my codependent behaviors with my family, friends and romantic relationships. But then the next mole that popped up in the whack-a-mole game was with work. Mm-hmm. And I would overperform for others and do way more than I really should be doing. And that was a codependent behavior because I was, it was codependent behavior because I was a like controlling the, the situation. Right. And also like not being true to myself and my own needs. I was doing this thing for fear of getting rejected from the workplace. And also, yeah, I mean, it was a form of manipulation in a way, but I just, it wasn't, aware it wasn't conscious when I do that stuff but yeah like if you create a place that you're like needed 
Yes. Like if you if you find yourself creating sort of strings, codependency is strings. If there are ever strings attached, it's codependent. Yeah, attachment, and it's in, attachment, and it's like your worth being attached to others. Exactly, and it's, it's, so, it's strings. If it's I did this for you, so now you have to do this uh, for me. Yes, that's codependent. If it's like this is I can I'll help you, but it's going to come with these strings attached. Or if it's creating a web of like. Now I'm a necessary person and you can't survive without me in certain ways. Those are strings. That's codependent. Yeah, I do this so you can't leave me. I do this so you can't. So you can't reject me. Yeah. Period. It's all about coming back to fear of rejection or inability to receive criticism. Yeah. Or, or, or fear of criticism or confrontation, a huge red flag within yourself. If you are questioning, Hey, do I have any codependent relationships, work, personal, whatever is, do you ever get the feeling of, avoid? I like, there's something bothering me, but I want to avoid the confrontation at all cost, like anxious or anxiety. Like if you feel the need to avoid speaking up or bringing up, something that's bothering you yeah that's that's a that is the red flag for codependency right there yeah 101 codependency 101 there is always codependent behavior if you are uncomfortable confronting anything that makes you uncomfortable or just anything that doesn't align with your truth in general right like that is a big big symptom of codependency is is once again not being true to yourself to appease others. Right. And um, if will you say what you said again about the confrontation? Yeah. If if you find yourself feeling anxious over the idea of confronting something that bothers you with the other person in which the bothering is occurring, like work, a personal relationship, if it's if there's something bothering you. And you are fearful or anxious towards confronting that issue with that person. And unable, paralyzed. Paralyzed. Yeah. Yeah, Unable, paralyzed, fearful. Um, You want to run away. Whatever whatever it is, if you feel the need to avoid confrontation with a specific person, place, or thing, that is the largest, biggest red flag indicator of codependent relationship that there can be that's how you know that that situation is codependent in a healthy environment a healthy dynamic you would be able to speak your truth say Mm -hmm. hey i love you so much right and i love me so much this isn't working yeah i'm communicating this because i love you and i love me how can we move forward? Correct. And that is, it's so easy, but it's so freaking hard at the yeah. same time because right. we're scared. I mean, who wants to get rejected? Nobody. But at the end of the day, and you taught me this, Madeline, and uh-huh. I will like, I will carry this for the rest of my life where, you know, if people don't respond to what you bring to the table, they're not your people. Right. And it's a blessing when you set a boundary mm-hmm. or you try to like, you know, speak up for yourself and somebody doesn't respond, that is a blessing. That is showing you this is not your person. Right. A period. But you taught me that. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm glad. And I'll tell you, I learned that in, in uh, heavy counseling and therapy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thankful that that can be part of the growing experience that we're having together. And hopefully somebody else can, can hear that because it seems so scary. I remember telling my therapist, I remember being in heavy counseling 
in this particular time in my life and telling my therapist, if I were to sever the relationships that I have with the people in my life that I felt codependent when we started to uncover, you know, I don't think we even use the word codependency at this point, but we were, you know, tiptoeing around the idea of it. Yeah. And, or people that, you know, just relationships that I, that weren't, that weren't healthy or serving me anymore. I said, I would be alone. And it terrified me because it made me feel like if I were to do this, then I would have no one. And what, what ended up happening was I, I did more work, more work, more work until I realized that alone was better. Yes. Quality over quantity, quality, right? <laughs> and if I was going to be afraid that the people that I love and love me and the reality was once I started implementing my boundaries, everybody stuck around. So I ended up being fine. Yeah. They were like, okay, I can respect that. They grew with me. They chose to respect it. And the people that I still struggle with boundaries are, um, you know, maybe one to two, maybe a handful, three people tops in my life that I still sort of am on this this journey with. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, you know, you got to give yourself grace and know that if there, if you got a dog in the fight, if you got somebody like willing to work with you, then you can get really far with that. But if people are going to gaslight you, shut you down, tell you that what you're feeling is stupid, tell you that that's not right, reject you, not, not uh, respect your boundaries, continue to cross your boundaries after you have broken them down over and over and over again also refuse to set boundaries for themselves of course so usually the people who are crossing boundaries also don't have any of their own yeah so you recognize that too when you invite a person to do something or when you talk with someone at work and they're constantly people pleasing yeah you that that's a big red flag because then you're going to be more susceptible to slip into a codependent relationship when you've got got it on both sides yeah so when i respect the hell out of people who tell me no not today or who tell me actually i'm not going to do that or i can't do that yeah um or people that that is a, i i love it it feels good it feels so refreshing because then i also it validates my work with codependency and i know that i'm in a safe place that i can that i can continue that work with these relationships well something that that reminds me of though too is when when i do get a no and i feel triggered by that no mm-hmm. that means that there is probably a level of codependency and attachment to that person right there and it's a kind of a hint of somewhere that I need healing right if if I'm if I am triggered by a no and a mm-hmm. boundary from someone else that that's a big sign to me it is and when you know when you're when you feel kind of anxious or afraid to even ask red flag yes when you when you're like oh, I don't know if I should ask this person this or when you find when you when you find yourself like rewriting the same paragraph over and over in your text before you send it. Huh? Seriously. Yeah. Or when you find yourself like trying to somewhat manipulate the way that your message comes across. Yes. Or like say your truth, but also not hurt their feelings. And then all of a sudden it's not even your truth anymore. Yes. When you feel like, Oh, there now, obviously there's a time and a place. Sometimes it's nice to be respectful and say, Hey, do you have space for a conversation I'm ready to have with you? Yeah. And if not, let's set a time that you, you know, call me when you do. 
it doesn't always have to be wham, bam, you know, but, but codependency no more is a book that I highly recommend. And there's two styles of detachment. There's detachment with love. And then there's just straight up detachment. Yeah. Like I cannot handle it one more day. I'm drowning here. I have to detach from you. Peace out. Yeah. Um, but when you, you know, when you're able to detach from love, usually that's the way, but you got to get there. You got to get, you got to get yourself to a point where the volcano is not about to erupt. Yes. So you have to start to speak up before it gets to that point. Exactly. If you find yourself like quiet, like people with road rage, all this stuff, all this pent up internal conflict that they've, I mean, have you ever like gone over a conversation in your head and be like, I should have said that, or I should have said this. All these things are huge red flags for like codependent behavior. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're, you're just constantly doing what everybody, what you think that everybody else wants you to do. And you don't even realize half the time that nobody gives a fuck. Exactly. Nobody actually cares. And you're making up, which is another kind of segue to this book that I highly recommend the four agreements. You're making assumptions for other people. Yeah. You're speculating, you're creating a narrative, you're creating a story in your mind it's dangerous. It's dangerous that you don't even know is true. You're spending so much mental energy and time trying to figure out what somebody else is thinking so that you can manipulate the response towards what you think that they're going to think. So that you can stay safe and so get that, that validation safe, because right? you don't have it from yourself. Rather than just, exactly, rather than just be like, listen, homie, this is how I'm feeling. Can we talk about it? Yeah. Period. Read the four agreements and read Codependent No More. Or, yeah, or listen, listen to yes. them. <laughs> Whatever you want. For those of us who don't know how to read, like <laughs> myself. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, we, we talked about this earlier. And for me, codependency showed up most frequently in romantic relationships. All through my 20s, I was terrified of being alone. I would jump from person to person to person until finally the relationship I found myself in and my self-worth were like in the freaking trash. And I, like I said in our first episode, I got the brake speed off of me by my boyfriend. But that's that's the frequency I was tuned into, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah. I don't justify what he did, but that's what I was accepting in my life. I was not boundaried at all because of my self-worth was so low. Right. And so I would just... I could not stand to be alone with myself. I had no love for myself whatsoever. So I kept looking at it outside of myself. And like, you're not going to attract a good partner when that's the the frequency you're tuned to internally you know and so finally I hit a dead end and I was alone for years years and that's when I had to learn like either I'm gonna have to be okay by myself or I'm gonna be effing miserable and I started to realize like all these relationships that were such garbage were just out of my fear of being alone and it was a lesson I needed to learn but homie, I will be damned. Like I am so upfront in new relationships. I'm so boundaried. I'm so open because at the same time, you know, when I, when I date somebody new now, I say, Hey, I'm really good single. I really love myself and, and myself is my first priority. Mm -hmm. Our relationship is going to be a second. And I want the same from you. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And, and I'm like, you know, you're here on this ride with me in this time because I love you and I care about you, but it will not be at the expense of myself, my truth, my worth, any, anything that it means something to me. Right. And it has been incredible. I know it is. And what you said is true. When they are your people, they respond. 
they show up for that. They meet you there. They allow that space. They allow those boundaries. They set their own boundaries. You talk about them. And I know this sounds like a foreign concept to some people, but this is real. This is so doable, so achievable. And a lot of times people uh, I've I, that I've come into contact with have a lot of fear around this process because of what you said. They, What I said, they believe they'll lose people or they believe people will reject them or they won't have anybody. But the reality is a lot of times people that I've kind of brought this to the table have been waiting and they they're then everyone's liberated. Oh they're yeah. Like, oh my gosh. I, I didn't know I needed this either, but this feels so much better than the way we were doing things before. Oh yeah. This feels so much cleaner. And I, I'll tell you my relationship with codependency, like really started when I met Adelina's dad, mm-hmm. when I met Carl and I will, I will forever be grateful to him because I, he is the first person in my life that ever told me like I would, you know, in a romantic relationship, I would get upset and I'd be like, well, you made me feel this way or you did this or you did that. I mean, this is the way I was raised. This is what I thought was normal. And I'll never forget him being like, no, I didn't. You feel that way. You feel that way. And I remember thinking, you're such an asshole. <laughs> like you're, so, and, and to be fair, he was also, <laughs> you know, like, but my point is he introduced this concept to me that it took me years to, to grow into. Yeah. But he was the first person I'd ever met who was not codependent. He did not care if I cooked, if I cleaned, he didn't, there was nothing that I needed to do to please him other than just being myself. Yeah. And that's what he, he needed from me. Yeah. And then I realized he didn't need me at all. Yeah. And that, and that's what made it beautiful. And I was like, holy crap. Then I started to understand you don't need me. So I can't control you. And it drove me nuts (laughs) because every relationship that I'd ever saw, understood, known, been taught was these are my powers and I can control you with them. Yes. But that's the biggest form of codependency there is. Yes, queen. And <laughs> and it's like when he challenged that in me, it forced me to be like, well, wait a minute. I can I can do and be myself? Well, then I had to look at myself, and I didn't want to do that. And I think a lot of times we're very afraid because as as we continue codependent relationships, it allows us to have – someone else to blame or someone yes. else to put to put our feelings on or someone it it procrastinate it, it forces procrastination for us to take take the mirror and look at ourselves 100%. which is why we don't want to do it yeah and and also why it's absolutely necessary that we do it right away yeah well and another thing that you had mentioned earlier about codependency too was making excuses for others behaviors right that is huge i see it all the time and especially us women, like we'll be like, Oh, I just met this guy on hinge or Tinder or whatever. <laughs> and Oh, he's, he's great. But he doesn't, he only calls me once a week just in, and he only oh, wants to hook up and, oh, but that's man. okay because I know that he's working hard and blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah. Or I mean, uh-uh. there's a million ways. I mean, moms do it to their kids, uh-huh. you know, like codependency I is huge in, parent child dynamics too because parents get their sense of worth and belonging from having a kid and being a parent yep. so they keep attaching in this unhealthy manner to being a parent and uh and then it gives their kids this guilt and shame dynamic where they're like very very 
confused because your parent is supposed to be protecting you and providing right. for you. Right. And instead they're like, well, you owe me this cause I'm your mom and I gave birth to you and all this stuff. And it creates this like really confusing, toxic dynamic. And it's, it's very hard. The family stuff is very hard because we feel so obligated to these people. Right. It, it, we, that, oh gosh, that is the hardest, I think, is family. Yeah. I think it's probably the hardest because we, we give ourselves this sort of, we tell ourselves this story that because they're our family, it doesn't matter. And, and that's and an that. excuse, just like you know, making excuses for others. It is, this is where I feel like the segue to, to say that this very big important thing that changed my life, especially if you're a deep thinker, a free thinker, an intellectual, uh, and into it, any, any, any person. All people need to hear this. When you're making excuses and you're doing all these things, we are logical. We want to be logical creatures. Yes. We want to find logic in everything that we do. We want to compartmentalize. That's the way our brain works. Yes. They, our brains want to find an answer. Yes. A solution. Yes. It's natural. Yes. It's where we're programmed. Yes. Codependency cannot find an answer. If you are constantly logically talking yourself into or out of something, we can do that all day. Oh yeah. You can rationalize anything you into can, being right or wrong or whatever. You can rationalize and make excuses for why. Well, this person, um, does a, B and C. So therefore I can do D, E and F, what have you. When you finally get to the point that you're ready to detach from codependent, not people, but your own relationship with codependent behavior this is not about anybody else. This is not about detaching even from another relationship. You have to learn first to detach from your expectations of yourself with this. Yes. So when you start to be really real and ready to take that step, it will no longer matter why. You will not care if this person has shown up for you every single day of your life, if they've treated you with love and kindness and respect, never yelled at you, never caused you any type of pain that you can actually uh, identify. Identify. But when your gut tells you something is off within that relationship, that when you're really, really ready, you will not need to, you will that's not your why. Need, that's the, all the why you, you will need. not need a why anymore. And, and that goes back to our intuition episode mm-hmm. about, you know, just learning how to hear your gut. And when it doesn't feel right, it's not right. And that's all that matters. That's it. And that's what comes, that's what, that is what the main take home message to me is about this codependency and the beauty of boundaries is just learning how to identify your own voice, your own needs, your own vision, what you want to manifest your goals, your dreams, Mm -hmm. and then putting a container to, to make it happen. Exactly. And you don't need a why necessarily. You don't need a why to know what your interests are. They just are, you know, like it's just, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel aligned. Therefore it's not, that's it. And and then, and then you act accordingly. Correct. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to make excuses. You don't have to find a reason why you don't have to, you don't have to identify a reason. If you don't feel right, if something doesn't, if it feels off, it's off. That's it. Yes. So the first step in detachment with codependency is identifying that and detaching You can repair relationships. It doesn't mean the relationship has to be over, but it means the way that you know the relationship is over. Yes. You have to redefine a healthier 
a healthier relationship with these with these people. But first step is give yourself permission. It doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter why. I know how I feel. It, it it's off. That's it. Yes. Yes. So let's take a break from okay. this conversation, and we will uh, listen to this week's interview up level testimony. Okay. Each week on Manifesting with Morgan and Madeline, we will share a story from a listener who used the global pandemic in 2020 as an opportunity to up-level personally or professionally. My name is Josh Greenwald. I am 28 years old. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm a commercial real estate broker with Blank Real Estate. Excellent. And what were the circumstances leading up to March 2020 for you? So surrounding the pandemic, like right before the pandemic started and the in the lockdown? Sure. Yeah. So I was a corporate, um, in the corporate world, I worked for uh, Blue Green Vacations for about seven years and um, kind of worked my way up through the ranks with them to a regional director level. And obviously, when the pandemic hit, you know, the um, the travel industry took a huge hit. You know, people weren't traveling, they weren't getting on planes, they weren't staying in hotels. Um, and it really put a damper on, on the entire industry. So um, in April of 2020, I was laid off from my position, um, basically, and not fired, but laid off. You know, I was given severance with a, with a, we don't know when we'll have you back kind of situation. So um, it really, really put my back up against the wall. Wow. So I'm guessing that definitely parlays into how you up leveled. So would you share a little more <laughs> about, about that? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, once they, once they, you know, kind of went public with, you know, we're basically eliminating the entire, entire retail marketing sector um it really put me in a situation where you know i i started to provide for my family you know we just found out we were pregnant with our first kid um my wife is a residential real estate broker you know but there was never a situation where all of the income came from either of us so it was a joint effort in our household so um it really put things into perspective that you know instead of sitting back and and collecting unemployment and um trying to hope that things get better in the next few months and maybe they'll take me back and give me back my position. It was a situation of, you know, look, I, I was given the severance. I was lucky enough to work there long enough to get a nice severance package um, to the point that it gave me a little bit of a, of a cushion. Um, and I'd always wanted to get my real estate license. So I said, you know, instead of, you know, enjoying this cushion, uh, for six months and waiting to get taken back to my corporate job, which I didn't enjoy anyway. It was a situation where I could, you know, get my real estate license, still survive, um, and do that from home where I don't have to be out in public and, and in front of people and, you know, risking, you know, getting COVID myself. So, um, I just kind of buckled down and, and got my real estate license and interviewed firms and found blank real estate. And it's, it's kind of been a, 
a whirlwind of emotion since then. It's been incredible. So Awesome. That's really, really inspiring. It sounds like you kind of got the perfect little kick in the butt or nudge or whatever to go from the the job you weren't really happy with in the first place to something new and more aligned. Yeah, it was, it, it, it really was perfect timing. You know, I was really looking for the opportunity to stop traveling. You know, I would, I would, when I was working at Blue Green, I would travel, I would leave on Tuesday, come back on Saturday. Sunday was a day off and Monday was conference calls. So, I mean, that was my life. I was traveling like crazy. Um, I was never home, obviously. And then with a baby on the way, I didn't want to, I just didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to be in control of my income. I wanted to be in control of my time to where, you know, at at this point I work when I need to work. I work from where I want to work. And, um, you know, it's been incredible. So it it was the perfect timing. Um, The stars aligned. And, you know, I'll look back at this at March of 2020, April 2020, and say that, you know, COVID was the best thing to happen to me um, personally. I love it. So yeah. how, how did you stay focused and motivated through the process? Because I know there's a lot entail. It entails a lot of work to get your real estate license <laughs> and courage to change career paths and everything. Yeah. So for me, it's always been about risk versus reward. So you know, I, like I said, I I worked my way up through that company and a lot of that had to do with taking risks and, you know, really relying on myself and not relying on anybody else. So I I really work best when my back is up against the wall and I really didn't have another option. You know, it was get my real estate license and find a deal to close quickly or go back to corporate. And I just wasted two months studying my butt off. to make sure I can pass this test. And, you know, it really wasn't, I I took, I basically burned, I burned the boat, you know, so there was no going back for me. It was real estate or nothing. And, um, you know, I just, every single day I studied and I studied and I studied and I took practice exams and practice exams just to stay focused on real estate. And, um, you know, every day I looked at my vision board and, and, uh, looked at my pregnant wife. That was a, that was a big motivator knowing that we had a baby coming in October. So, uh, that's, that's kind of what kept me going and kept me focused on what needed to be done. So love it. So did I didn't you want to go back. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I can relate with that as well with my yeah. corporate experience. But, um, so did you have any challenges or curveballs along the way with, with your new transition? Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, for one, not knowing anything about commercial real estate, you know, for two, not having a steady income, a steady paycheck. Um, and for three, not having taxes taken out. So, um, you know, that, you know, hiring a good CPA was the best thing I ever did, but you know, really the biggest challenge was not knowing anything about commercial real estate. You know, I knew a little bit about residential from my wife being a residential broker and just helping her out when needed. But commercial is a completely different ballgame. So, you know, luckily, you know, the team, you and Clifford and everybody else at Blank Real Estate really kind of took me in with open arms and said, look, this is how you do it. Um, so I, I was fortunate to have that, the group that I had around me helping me. Um, but, you know, going into something that's completely new, it's a complete 360 from what I was used to. Um, you know, I learned a lot and those were massive challenges that I just had to work through every day. You know, I had to continue to move the needle um, every single day, being better than I was the day before. And, 
you know, going outside of my comfort zone. Well, you did an excellent job. You hit the ground running and I, I feel like, yeah, the way that you overcame those challenges from my perspective was just staying disciplined and focused and, and doing whatever it takes to, to get where you're trying to go. So I commend you for that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, that do whatever it takes attitude is just, you know, something that I was raised by. And again, I didn't really have any other option. It was, you know, close deals, get some money, um, or go back to traveling and going back to traveling wasn't an option. Got it. Yeah. So do you have any wisdom you would like to share from this experience? Any major lessons you learned that might benefit others? Uh, yeah, I mean, just stay focused and don't be afraid to fail, you know, fail forward with everything that you do. So, you know, there's a lot of people will look at it and say, okay, well, I got my real estate license and six months, I closed twelve and a half million dollars is easy. And it wasn't easy, right? It was just staying disciplined, staying focused and failing forward. There's, I can't tell you the amount of cold calls I made where I got hung up on or the amount of appointments I went on where I got laughed out of the room. It was just taking that experience and, and not being afraid to fail from that and taking, okay, how can I present myself in a better way? How can I be the person that, that that person wants to work with and continuing to just push forward and improving myself and improving my mannerisms when I'm around these people that I want to do business with and always be learning. You know, I took everything that I knew and threw it out the window and I, I went into to blank real estate as an open slate. And I said, Clifford mold me, to what I need to do to hit these goals that we've discussed. And I was just an open book and a sharp pencil. And I just wrote down everything and just learned. So, you know, nobody's too good for anything, you know, throw everything out the window. If you're going to restart, if you're going to start over, you know, who knows what the future holds, but, you know, take the risk, take the challenges and, you know, don't be afraid to fail. I love it. Well, thank you so yeah. much for your time and, and sharing your experience. I think this will definitely motivate and inspire others. Yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on. It's awesome. I can't wait to can't wait to listen to the other podcasts and, you know, wish you and, and everybody the best of luck as you grow the podcast. I'll be sure to share it. Thanks so much. Well, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. What is your name, age, city, and profession? My name is Josh Greenwald. I'm Double take. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Technical difficulties Do you today. remember double the pleasure, double the fun? Just have a little more. A little... I don't know what just happened, but it's okay. I ain't scared. Heck, yeah. We got it. We got it. We got it. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. He's very well spoken. Yes. And I will tell you, he, he works on my team with my day job, and he was he really did hit the ground running and, and he, I just love how he had a vision and he did whatever it took to, to sustain it. And mm -hmm. I mean, I saw it. He ain't lying. <laughs> he said failure was, or, or, uh, it failure was an option, but he said he didn't have an option. And he said, it's kind of to tie what he said into this week's episode. He said burning, he burned the boat. Yeah. So it sounds to me like he got to a point where he was fed up. He was detaching whether it was ha like he didn't care anymore. Yeah. I'm I'm fed up. I'm there. There's no other option. I'm detaching from this life and these people and this p position and this expectation of me that I knew. I'm 
detaching. But that's what boundaries look like. Right. He's, he's setting boundaries with what he will accept and won't accept. Correct. It's that simple. Correct. And that there, the part of that that we were talking about is um, his why may have not made sense to some people. Especially when we come like to family, like when we talk about how hard, how messy family relationships can be. If if you bring a decision to a table, like at a family dinner, yeah, I'm going to quit my job, and like, <gasps> but why? Yeah, it's that moment that not it doesn't matter if they understand your why. You know that that has to happen, and what we put here is when you trust yourselves to know that something is off. That's the most important step in detachment. Yes. That is the most important step in detachment. This is a practice of self-love by turning the mind off and allowing the gut to make decisions for you. Therefore, moving yourself into a state of higher vibrational frequency, which pushes the mind off and allows intuition or God to take the stage. And this can be the most effective way to harness and claim your power. Yes. So that's what he did. Yes. He said, whatever you people, I'm doing it. Whether you like it or not, he knew. And he kind of let the reins go, and then, whew, yeah, it just flooded him. It sounds like like a river. Like, and he, bam. I love that you're saying this today because I had I had lunch yesterday with another real estate uh, compadre. I don't know, <laughs> Can, this darling lady who's just a few years older than me. <laughs> I hope she listens to this. But she told me, and she she's just beloved by anyone I've introduced her to. Um, she's She is a service provider in the commercial real estate realm. But she, I, I was, we were catching up for the first time in a couple of years because of the pandemic. And she told me, she said, Morgan, I, ha- I have these dreams, but I talk myself out of them. Oh. And that's, I just wanted to, I want to like kidnap her uh-huh. and, and teach her our ways, you know, because, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, she is approaching retirement, but that doesn't mean anything. That means nothing. She's a bright, shining light. And, yes. and it's she, her little head chatter is the thing that's getting in the way, she you know? From, yeah. There's never a moment that's too late to start. Yes. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Freaking. That's another thing. Just freaking just. <laughs> bulldoze all that shit that you've been taught that tell that you these things that come up in your head all this stuff if i don't if i don't perform this way they won't like me if i don't look this way they won't like me if i don't act this way they won't like me if i don't do these things they won't like me life is too Bull short shit it's bullshit it's too bullshit. short it's I'm too short bullshit. yeah it's way too short yes it's too short to not do way too you. short well let's talk about action steps yas queen like, huh. let's let's give some like realistic tools for how to begin the process of detachment from codependency. And also setting boundaries. And setting boundaries. <laughs> yeah, so we just wanted to preface this, the the tools and action steps, with, with telling or explaining the fact that it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going, it's not going to feel natural at first to say no, to set boundaries, to quit behaving in these codependent ways. And it's okay. It's okay. Just understand it and set the boundaries anyway. It's a muscle. Boundary setting is a muscle. And it's going to, you start with like your little five minute walk. Mm -hmm. And then you start with a two mile walk. And then Mm -hmm. you start running a marathon. And then the next thing you know, you're in the Olympics of boundary setting, you know, and it's, it starts small and it's, 
And it's scary as hell to tell somebody no that you've never told no to in, ever in your life. Right. But when you do it, that feeling on the other side, when you step into your truth, your vibrational frequency gets tuned up just a little bit. Right. Your self-worth gets tuned up a little bit. And the universe responds to that shit. Yeah, it does. And it might feel, and it probably will feel really, like you said, uncomfortable. And it, you might panic. You might freak out. But if you can do it first yep. and then respond later, <laughs> like, right. Like, yeah. If, cause sometimes I know I've been in situations where I'll set a boundary on the spot. Cause I know the only way I'm going to get what I want out of this life is if I say no. Right. And then I go home, I like drive in my car and go home. And then I just start sobbing. Cause a, I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe I was able to do that. But also it's like. So much of my like childhood and like all this stuff is all of a sudden like coming to the table and it's like, no wonder you're healing it. Yeah. Yeah. Like when people, when, and this is something to expect when you start saying no, push back the people on the other side that aren't used to you saying no, they're going to want to know, well, why what's going on? Why do you, why did you say no? What? And you know, don't let it fool you or trick you because they might have the best intentions. They really might. They just don't understand. They just don't understand. They've never set a boundary themselves. So when you're doing it to them, a you've you've had this pattern in your relationship, this dynamic that they're used to. Right. And when you change that, that scares them. And it also shines the light on where they might be screwing up a little bit. Yep. And they might want to, they might really want to help. And they, and they, again, are codependent in the way that they do that. But the reality is this is why it's so important to get comfortable with not needing to explain yourself, not needing to provide a why. Yes. You don't need to make up an excuse that you're sick because you don't want to go to a party. Exactly. That is a perfect example of what we've been taught as a society, codependent behavior. Well, there, there needs to be some legitimate reason that for people to accommodate your no, no, fuck that. Do not do that anymore. No, you don't need to apologize and you don't need to explain. Do not eliminate the word sorry from your vocabulary (laughs) unless it really needs to come. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. There's using sorry as a like sentence stopper. Okay, thank you. Sorry. Excuse me. Sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. How in your power do you sound when you're just constantly apologizing for just doing, being yourself, you know? breathing. I was breathing. Sorry. Yeah. Did I breathe on you? Sorry. But the thing is, like, we feel it and people say it and I get it. And this is not a put down for any people who say or feel that. I get it. But that word is so, so. Disempowering. Yes. It will hurt you. Stop saying you're sorry. Stop apologizing. Stop making up an excuse for why you can't do something or why you're not attending something or why you said no. It doesn't matter. My answer is no. I won't be there. I can't do that. I won't do that. Move on. And, and it's okay in s- situations to explain yourself. Of course. As long as you have to check yourself and, and identify what the root is of why you're giving the explanation. Are you doing it out of a codependency, like fearful place? Right. Or are you doing it because, hey, Madeline, I had to cancel the podcast and you're five minutes from my house. I'm so sorry this came up and I'm going to give you an explanation because I care about you and I respect your time. It's not because I feel like I owe you this. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yes. One, 100%. Like, and you know, the difference when you start to discern your gut, you know, when you're, when you're being considerate, we're not telling you not to be considerate. We're not telling you not to think about and be, you know, mindful of people's time and, and all that. That's not what this means. The feeling on the inside that you get that gives you the, the shivers and the shits 
and makes you want to like you get the shakes and all the s's and anxiousnesses (laughs) all those feelings (laughs) when you get those feelings that's the thing that red flags the codependency or like constantly apologizing saying you're sorry needing to explain yourself needing to say why none of that is relevant in the codependent detachment realm well and see another sign of codependency is is kind of having these grudges and wanting to lash out at people. Right. That's a, that's a sign that you have this codependent, it's expectations, it's attachment right. because you do this little dance to, to please them. So and if then, they don't re- reciprocate it, then you, you suddenly, like, yeah, you feel absolutely you. It's a tit for tat. Yes. Any tit for tat is huge codependent tit for tat. I did this. Now you do that. And you might, it might be unspoken, but you know that those feelings in relationships work, personal boyfriends, Friends, whatever, all that is codependent behavior. So, uh, also stop on the action list. We said stop. It's going to be uncomfortable. Start mm-hmm. practicing saying no. Um, read and learn about codependency. Start reading up on it. Start learning about it. Knowledge is power, people. Exposure. And so, my two codependent, um, the people that have framed it in a way that was most relatable for me are Mark Groves. He has a wonderful podcast. He has a lot of courses online. I believe his website's markgroves.com, but I'll put it in the show notes. This guy, even his Instagram posts are just like, I'll get shook every time. (laughs) And then, and Terry Cole, who partners with him a lot, the two of them combined they are the ones that really helped propel me in my abilities to set boundaries, say no, step into my worth. Um, and also the to be magnetic with Lacey Phillips is another one for me, mm-hmm. but all this stuff is so important for manifesting yep. and it's so important just to, to be happy and free. It is. It is. That kind of brings us to our closing. I mean, once you educate yourself and you get real, you stop apologizing, you stop explaining, you start practicing your nose, you connect with your intuition, you start to listen to your gut, you stop making assumptions about what you think other people need and want from you. Just disconnect from that. You first, what's best for you first is what's best for everyone else. That's correct. And if you, if you need to just tell yourself that in the moment when you're like getting invited to do something and you know, you don't want to do it. What's best for me is what's best for them. If I go to this event because I feel obligated or guilted into it, Uh they're not going to be having a good time because I'm there. And if they don't respect my boundary, then I don't need to be hanging out with them in the first place. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So all, all of this, once you have identified the codependent behaviors and you start practicing new behaviors, this is what you brought to the table is, uh, Morgan says, this is the time to begin to identify what you do and don't want in all aspects of your life. So once you've gotten through this sort of barrier, take the time to sit with yourself and really, really sort of map out what's okay and what's not okay. What your boundaries really are. Where do you want to put those fences up? Where do you need those fences to get where you want to go? And I mean, how it works for me, and I know you and I operate differently, but Mm -hmm. I just keep a list. I kind of have a vision board written on Uh my on my notes on my phone. Right. So when I think of something else or if I've manifested something, I can check it off, which feels really good. Or I can just keep my, my focus on what I want. And then by having that focus and that clarity of not just the material things, but the lifestyle I want, the, the, the career I want, like Mm -hmm. every, every aspect of my life, 
then when something arises, it's much easier to discern is this my truth or is this not my truth mm-hmm. and set the boundary and act accordingly. Right. So it's, it's just a little tool. <laughs> it, it's a big tool. And for people who operate more on, on my frequency or my spectrum of understanding and planning and learning, um, that tool is also extremely helpful. Even if it doesn't look like a big plan, just sort of identifying when, when you're in different moods, those people show up and you can write things down. So you can look back at those notes and you can say, hey, does this feel in alignment with my truth? And then you can look back at those notes and it's like, hey, the Madeline, that high vibe Madeline, when you're in that really good place, I write stuff down. And then it's kind of like it helps me check myself because I might be having a bad day. Yeah. Or I might be feeling not at my best. But if I see what high vibe Madeline said. Yeah. Then I can lean on her. I'm like, she said this was not okay. So therefore... Even though I feel like giving into this thing, she said not to, so yeah. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And so that's a segue into being able to really start to map out and plan. Do you have an example of that? Uh, like when I'm when I'm feeling and I'm really in my worth and I'm doing my thing, I might say, um, uh, don't answer the call from the fuck boy. Yes. Something silly like that. But don't, when he calls... D- because what's going to happen is it's bound to happen again when maybe I've had a really long day. Maybe I... You're vulnerable I, in some vul- way. Correct. Yeah. Yes. When you're in your vulnerable place. So then I see that call come across my phone. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I'll go and I'll check my notes about this. I'll be like, wait, what did High Vibe Madeline say? And if it says in big, bold letters, do not answer fuckboy call, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, well... High vibe Madeline said I can't, so I can't do it. And that's where you want to, you're trying to get back to when you are in that like vulnerable, like off place. It it snaps you right back into reality and it sort of gives that vulnerable part of you a place to not need to make a decision. It's a why. That's your why. That's my why. Because. Because healed said, Madeline said healed this. Madeline said so. Yeah. And it, you know, when you're already vulnerable and you're already in that place, you feel, you can feel decision making can be really tough or or harder because it takes a lot of energy and it takes a you know you don't always make the best decisions when you're vulnerable yeah and vulnerable being like not well rested overworked like stressed out about money like anxious whatever right any anything that puts you in a position that you're unable to sort of create yes when you're in a reactive state yes or a responsive state but mainly a reactive state if you write these things down it'll help you or take a video of yourself, or take a note, uh, or what, or or take a, a audio clip of your whatever you need to do to remind yourself that these things are not okay. Or and, and this is what I want the or vision. Hold like Josh said, he looked at his vision board every day. Every he looked day. at his pregnant wife. Like yep. you need you need to be able to just a or just know at least what you want. I know it's easier to find what you don't want first. So maybe you write that out first, right? but you got to start somewhere. You do. And then when you know what you want, also there's a transition coming out of codependency into independency. Yes. So if you can be the person that you're codependent with, with yourself, that's a transition. That's a bridge. Yes. So instead of needing validation from another, another outside source, use your healed self as your codependent person. Yes. Until you're ready to be one with your healed self yes. and be in the world independently. And just start cutting like Edward Scissorhands, all them attachments that you put on all them. Chop off the strings. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All righty. Feel good? Yes, queen. All right.